Stephen was able to sit down and talk with our friends over at lineups.com and go round by round and give you guys a player in each round that you should be targeting. And listen, fantasy football, your draft, I don't, hopefully you haven't drafted already. I don't, I don't like drafting this early when there's still a couple of weeks in the preseason. People can still get hurt. Jobs can still get won and lost. But um, if you have, well, maybe uh, fast forward to the end of this thing. But if you, uh, if you still have a draft coming up, some super, super valuable information with our friends from lineups.com. Very excited to have on the podcast this week the two newest members of the Katina Media family, Matthew Amato and Jason Gilbo from lineups.com, our fantasy football website here in the Katina Media family. And and Matthew is the content manager over there, Jason Gilbo, writer and editor at lineups.com. And we are going to talk today trying to get you ready for your fantasy drafts as draft season is quickly approaching. Many of you in best balls already, but you have those redraft leagues coming up and we're going to run through the first 10 rounds looking at average draft position and, and talk about one player in each round that we covet the most, the guy that we don't want to leave the draft without. So before we do that, though, just a, a quick intro here for each of these guys so you can get to know them and the great work that they do over at lineups.com. Matthew, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the fantasy football tools that lineups.com is providing everybody this year. Hey, Steven. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to get on another podcast. My name is Matthew Amato. I've been playing fantasy football for 13 years. I've been over at lineups for a year now. Um, I'm just passionate guy about fantasy, passionate guy about football in general, which I think really helps in the fantasy game. You know, being able to actually really know football, unlike some fantasy football experts. I'm just kidding. Um, some of the tools we have at lineups. So we have a start sit tool. We have weekly rankings, projections. We have season long rankings and projections. We have trade analyzers, fantasy stats, positional matchup stats. We just have a lot of resources, mainly for you guys to look into and make your own decisions. But we also have weekly articles where we kind of go over our picks and what we think is going to happen. And if you're in the DFS or betting, we also do a ton of that content. So you can come over to our site for fantasy, betting, DFS, really anything you need when it comes to sports and gaming. I know one of the the fun tools that I saw over at lineups.com that was uh, I really enjoyed was the the fantasy football team name generator as well. So in addition to the the serious tools and and fantastic rankings and projections that you guys provide, I had a lot of fun just just messing around with that. Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself and and some of the the stuff that you're really excited about this year for your fantasy football season. Uh, yeah, thanks, Stephen. Uh, my name is Jason Gilbo, and um, I've been uh, editor and writer at lineups.com for a few years now. Uh, but I've been in the fantasy football industry for probably seven, eight years, uh, writing, providing you know video content as well. But uh, in terms of content at the site for the upcoming season, we're going to have a lot. We're going to have PPR rankings and projections for you guys, helping break them down. Also, we'll be available uh, on a live stream Sunday mornings to help uh, with any last minute decisions that you guys need. And then we'll have waiver wire articles, streamers. Um, and then, yeah, as Matt said, we'll be doing some DFS stuff for you know anyone looking at non-season long content. So we, get, we got a lot of good stuff coming up this year. That's awesome. I love those Sunday live streams. Jason, is that going to be on, on YouTube or on Twitter? Where can people find that Sunday live stream for those last minute lineup decisions? 
Correct. It'll be on YouTube. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, you can follow lineups on Twitter. We'll be throwing out links um, early in the morning. Awesome. All right, guys, let's get into this here. This is the must draft list, and we are operating under the assumption that it's a 12-team PPR league, and we're pulling the ADP data from the Fantasy Football Calculator ADP and, and looking at these guys. So we're breaking it down round by round and picking guys in each round that we covet the most, the players that we want on our teams this year. And Matthew, we're going to start with you in round one with the caveat that we're going to remove the top five guys, right? Like most of us are going to pick some combination of Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, and Ezekiel Elliott, somewhere in that top five, top six range. So if we take those guys out, who else in that first round are you putting just behind those guys and, and really wanting to go and get? So my guy is Austin Eckler. And right now it's ADP, depending on, you know, if you're on Sleep or Yahoo, using Football Calculator, it ranges from late first, early second. But I truly believe that when it comes down to it, if I was faced with Zeke at number five or Austin Eckler, I would go Eckler. I'm extraordinarily high on him this year. And I'll just quickly go over why, especially for PPR. So let's start on the ground. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year, which is tied for 20th in the league. But it's still ahead of some really great running backs like Clyde, Henderson, Swift, Cam Akers, Kareem Hunt. And he did that with literally the worst offensive line in the league. Whether it's your own rankings or you look at PFF, the Chargers were dead last pretty much in every single category. They went out this year, they grabbed Corey Lindsley at center, who I think is the best center in the league. They got Rashawn Slater early in the first, my favorite tackle in the draft. And then they added a couple more guards in Filer and Aboshi. So this team is just, they remade the offensive line. The only person returning from last year is Brian Bulaga, who is one of the best right tackles in the league. So that's nothing to worry about. This offensive line may jump from literally last in the league to top five, top ten. Eckler running behind that kind of line can easily average over five yards per carry. And so even if he doesn't get as much usage as Zeke, I think he will outperform him on efficiency. You also have to take into account he's going to get a lot more TD opportunities, better offensive line, better offense in general. We saw how good Justin Herbert could be. And then the real reason you're taking him. He had 65 targets and 54 receptions in 10 games. That is a 17-game pace of 110 targets and 91 receptions because he only played in 10 last year. That's, I mean, that's all you want from your number one running back in PPR. If he's going to get 90-plus receptions, he's going to be an RB1. He's not only safe, but I think he has top three upside. I think he could crack, you know, the Camara Cook CMC this year. Love that, too. And it also doesn't hurt that he's got a pretty manageable schedule here in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs from a year ago. Tough matchup week one at Washington. But after that, Dallas at Kansas City, home against Las Vegas. Um, and towards the end of the year, if, if you know, it's not always the best advice to project forward and, and count on these things to carry over that late into the season. But at least for now, when you see week 15, 16, and 17 of Kansas City, Houston, and Denver. That doesn't exactly drive fear into the hearts of fantasy running back managers. So uh, everything you said, I, I love the pick. Can't disagree with you at all. Can't knock it. So let's move on to round two here. And, and Jason, the guy that you have pinpointed is getting all the hype as the next potential CMC. He's got 
Christian McCaffrey's old coach. Tell us about Antonio Gibson and why you are not leaving the second round without him. Yeah, Stephen, I don't think you could have, you know, talked better time to talk about Antonio Gibson today. Um, we got some news out of Washington that, you know, they're looking to get him to be a Christian McCaffrey type workload player. And he certainly has that potential. Um, he's a terrific athlete. You know, Matt talked about an improved offensive line in Los Angeles. Washington obviously wasn't nearly as bad last year, but um, improved offensive line for this year. Should have a ton of positive game scripts. You know, you look at a really good defense. Um, this is a guy who's obviously going to be used in the red zone as well. You know, you go through last year, you know, some bigger issues was just with him learning the position, but improved his pass protection as the year went on, has made great strides in that department. Um, finished RB14 in PPR, he's being taken around RB12, but I have him projected kind of in that, you know, five through eight range, and he's obviously got even more upside than that if he has that big role. You know, I know people are obviously worried about J.D. McKissick, you know, stealing targets away from him, but um, he's a really an, a solid receiving back. You know, 81% catch rate last year made the most of a smaller target share. And now we factor in the fact that, you know, we get some more looks and better snap counts for him. Um, I, I think the upside is endless and getting him in round two is just is just huge. Yeah, he did what he did last year without really having a ton of volume, right? I mean, he, he was a guy who... I think had less than 220 carries a year ago. So if, if he's getting the volume there this year, steals away some of those McKissick targets from a year ago. I mean, we're talking about a monster ceiling here in PPR for Antonio Gibson. Let's move on to round number three here. And I'm going to chime in a little bit. And, and for me in this range, after you get past the first two rounds, I am just pounding wide receiver in these PPR leagues. I see a ton of value in this three to fifth round the third to fifth round range for wide receivers. And the guy that stands out to me in the third round is Keenan Allen on the chargers. And if you look at what he did a year ago with a rookie quarterback and Justin Herbert, it was just fantastic. I mean, he, this is, this is not a guy who's going to potentially lead the league in yardage because he's got a low, um, you know, a low catch per reception situation here. He had less than a thousand yards, you know, missed a couple of games last year, but I mean, 147 targets last year, despite missing a couple of games, that is just elite usage in fantasy football. And I want every part of that I can get when I'm looking for wide receivers in PPR. If you look at Keenan Allen after their week six by a year ago, he had double-digit targets in all but two of the games that he played in. He even had a 19-target game at one point there in Week 11 against the Jets. He torched them for 16 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. So um, in, a, in a full PPR league, I want that 100 reception upside, and I think Keenan Allen provides that uh, as much as anybody in this range here. I still love guys like Terry McLaurin. I love CeeDee Lamb. Allen Robinson, I don't mind. He's got 150, 160 target upside as well. But Keenan Allen paired with Justin Herbert is the combination I want in this range here uh, in the third round. I definitely agree with you, Stephen, here. And one thing to, to I think, note is the fact that this is PPR. I mean, we're talking about PPR. Keenan Allen would probably be one of the guys that I would never target in a standard league just because of where I he's agree. going. But in a PPR league, you... 150 targets from Justin Herbert. I'm taking that all day as my wide receiver one. 
I mean, we could be looking at 120 plus receptions from Keenan Allen this year. I mean, that, that is absolutely within the range of outcomes. Let's move on to round number four. And Matthew, back to you. And you basically have a, a combination here. You're okay with one or the other, and they happen to play on the same team. Yeah. So this is, I mean, like I just said, this comes down to it being PPR. I'm okay with grabbing Robert Woods or Cooper Cup in round four. Ideally, I want this to be my wide receiver two because, like you said, I'm targeting targeting running back round one, round two, and then I'm trying to go wide receiver from then on out in most of my leagues. But Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they basically had identical targets last year, 124 and 127, if I'm not mistaken. But the biggest thing is they got an upgrade at quarterback. So these guys could easily both get 100 receptions. You know, I'm counting on at least 90 plus, but those receptions are going to be worth so much more with Matthew Stafford at the helm. No offense to Jared Goff, but he is maybe half the quarterback Stafford is. Stafford's going to be able to hit Woods, hit Cooper Cup on balls that just Goff is not capable of doing. So their target share may even go up because no longer are you going to have Goff checking down all the time. You're going to have Stafford trying to make plays, trying to hit Woods and Cooper Cup, who are both elite route runners. Um, I just see good seasons from both of them. And also something to note, I think is that Cam Akers went down. He's not playing this year. And I'm not a huge fan of Henderson. I'm not a huge fan of the running backs back there. I just don't think they're going to get the job done. I think they're going to face a lot of third and six, third and seven. And that's where Woods and Cooper Cup are going to shine with Stafford. And they're going to keep the chains moving. The offense is still going to be good. I mean, there's just nothing not to like about the two. I will admit that maybe they're safer picks versus like a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. But... Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have to deal with Antonio Brown, Gronk, a lot of other players on that team. I really think Woods and Cooper Cup are going to be the guys that Stafford goes to um, all season long. I think they're safe. I think they are that great combination in fantasy football that you look for, look for of a high floor and a high ceiling at this point in the draft. So, uh, and and nobody can argue the fact that it is a big quarterback upgrade for them let's move on to round number five here Jason and uh, we've talked a lot on this podcast in, in the weeks leading up to the NFL season about how we are down on the Pittsburgh Steelers this year just in terms of their win total or their ability to win the division but that doesn't mean that they still can't produce for fantasy purposes they don't have really a, a uh, an offense that is similar to like the Colts or the Eagles where they're spreading targets around to a lot of people. Ben has the guys that he likes and Deontay Johnson is certainly one of them. And the volume should be there again, regardless of how many, uh, how many games the Steelers win this year. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm definitely with you. Um, I'm, I'm down on the Steelers as well in terms of win total and being competitive in that division. But um, you know, looking at Deontay Johnson, you know, I, you mentioned there's a lot of targets, there's a lot of mouths to feed, obviously, on that team. But, you know, a guy who had 144 targets in 15 games last year, double-digit target games, um, you know, in 10-plus, like, that's that's crazy to me, um, especially in this range. And obviously, the fifth round, there's still a lot of good wide receivers. Brandon Ayuk, 
um, is in this range as well. You know, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, but uh, I do like Deontay Johnson. We know we talked about the PPR here. Um, this is a guy who can, you know, top 100 receptions this season. He has some weekly stability, but also that upside as well. Wide receiver 21 in PPR, um, so you're kind of giving him at that price anyway. Not really worried about the drops. All that stuff is noise that comes with this type of volume anyway. I mean, DK Metcalf has more drops than, than Deontay Johnson since 2019. We don't talk about him. So um, I'm just a big fan of this value. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting off with, you know, a couple running backs early. And then, you know, we just see all this value open up at wide receiver later on. And Johnson's just one of those guys in the middle rounds that uh, I'm going to be grabbing as kind of a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Even. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking right now at the list of receivers who had 100 40 targets a year ago and and a couple tight ends mixed in there as well and every single one of these guys is going at least around earlier than Deontay Johnson maybe more than that this is the latest you are going to be able to get a 140 plus target receiver in fantasy drafts this year to be able to get him in in the fifth round in a full PPR league is almost stealing to me so I am I am 100% with you here on Deontay Johnson. And I'd be okay with Chase Claypool too. I, I think 10 touchdowns as a rookie and, and, and getting monster. I, I don't know if he'll get monster targets like Deontay Johnson, but he should see an increase as well. I'd be okay with either one of those guys. So uh, let's move on to round six here. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at guys in this range here for round six. And to me, it, it's dependent on roster build and, and how you want to go about your draft. But, um, you know, I have found myself really, like I mentioned before, hammering wide receivers in that round three, four, five range. So um, if I start running back elite tight end or if I start running back, running back, I'm not coming back for another running back until after I get at least three wide receivers. So that has led me to start looking at running backs in this range here in round six and round seven. And the guy that I just keep finding myself attracted to is Javante Williams, the rookie out of North Carolina, who's now in the Denver Broncos. And I certainly understand the risk with that offense and the quarterback issues that they have. But we are talking about an incumbent in Melvin Gordon who only has a year left on his deal. He's already been banged up here in training camp. Javante Williams was just outstanding. In fact, in terms of pro football focuses metrics, one of the best seasons they've ever seen in terms of elusive rating and forced tackles missed. And to me, he's a potential league winner, right? Like we've seen this a lot with rookie running backs. He might start in a timeshare and start slow and, and they might ease him in. But come the end of the season when you're trying to make a run towards the fantasy playoffs and, and trying to uh, to win in the fantasy playoffs, he's got one of the softest schedules among fantasy running backs in all of the NFL. Week 13 through 16, the Chiefs, the Lions, the Bengals, and the Raiders. That is just... I mean, my eyes light up when I see that for Javante Williams and his potential at the end of the year if he assumes the, the mantle here and, and the lead back in this offense. And with all the weapons that the Broncos have, 
They're going to be spreading defenses out. There's a ton of speed, a ton of elite route running from their receiver core. That should lighten the boxes up for Javante Williams as well. So I don't think I think we just need average quarterback play to unlock Javante this year. And I'm, I'm really excited about him. We know the Broncos are excited about him. They traded up and basically pulled a fantasy football move, traded up one spot ahead of the Miami Dolphins and snaked Javante from them. So I, I, I don't know, Matthew, I, am I just being too bullish here or is this the guy among these middle round running backs that has the, the fantasy league winning upside? I literally got goosebumps. The fact that you asked me, because this is my guy. If you know me personally or you play fantasy with me, you know I'm on Javante. I think he is the best running back to come out of college the previous the previous two seasons. He is everything you want a running back. He has elite vision. He's elite elusiveness. He has good burst. He can catch the football. He is ridiculously smart as an individual. He is just one of the best running backs to come out of college. I think he's extraordinarily talented. And then you have the fact that Melvin Gordon, as of right now, is dealing with that growing issue. So the big worry with drafting a rookie running back is that timeshare to start. And I think due to Melvin Gordon's injury, he's going to get a majority of the carries starting in week one. And then moving forward, it's just going to grow. I don't think you can do better than Javante Williams in the sixth round. As long as his ADP stays around here, I'm going to be grabbing him in most of my drafts. I'm so excited about him as an individual. And I think the situation is Really, really good as well. And in round seven, we stay right here with the Denver Broncos and a player who has seen his ADP drop here in recent weeks. There have been some concerns coming back from injury, but you're buying the dip here. Yeah, I'm buying the dip and it's Cortland's son. So let's just get out of the way. Yes, he has injury issues. And yes, Jerry Judy is there and. Jerry Judy is, I'm just really big, I guess, on Bronco players because I, I love Jerry Judy. I have him on my dynasty rosters. I think he is already maybe the best, second best route runner in the NFL. But Cortland Sun supplies something that True Lock needs. And that is this big bodied wide receiver that can go up and get the football. Because at the end of the day, Drew Lock even admits himself this year. He can't change who he is and he's a gunslinger. And I, I project him to be the starter. Let me get that out of the way as well over Teddy Bridgewater. He's had a better camp. He looked better in preseason. I think Drew Lock's going to start. And Cortland Sun just gives Lock this outlet and allows him to chuck the ball down the field. And Sun proved in 2019 that that works for him. He can be an elite wide receiver, a wide receiver one, top end wide receiver two with the, with that kind of usage. In 2019, he had 100 or 1,112 yards, 60 or six TDs on only 72 receptions. I mean, that's outstanding. So I don't think he actually needs a huge target load to produce. And this is kind of going away from the PPR format. Uh, you know, I usually don't do this in PPR leagues, but Cortland Sun is just such a ridiculous value that I'm willing to still go get him in a PPR league where maybe you want someone safer with more targets at this point. Because I think he can easily get over a thousand yards. He could easily have five to 10 touchdowns and he just doesn't need a lot of resources to do that. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of weapons on this team. So grabbing a guy who's going to be able to produce on limited touches is going to be important in that, uh, offense especially through the air he's fallen now towards the back end of the seventh round as well so i mean you can basically get him anywhere in the seventh at this point so uh moving on to 
round number eight, Jason. And as a Philadelphia native, I am never going to be upset that you highlight the pride of Temple University wide receiver, Robbie Anderson. I I mean, can we talk about the eighth round? Because you know, I probably went back and forth several times about who I liked here. And, you know, you, you were starting to look at quarterback in the round after this, but, you know, Stafford's in that range. But uh, Robbie Anderson, man, it's it's crazy. This is a guy who's been a top 40 PPR wide receiver, um, you know, since 2017. And I feel like he's not treated that way. Obviously, he's coming in off a wide receiver 20 year. With DJ Moore going in the fifth and Robbie Anderson going in the eighth, like this is just pure value here for someone who had 138 targets last year. He's kind of really changed his perception because we obviously viewed him as you know a real deep threat in in New York. Obviously, not a great offense, um, but looking at last year, I mean, he had a lot of short yardage stuff. He picked up 95 receptions, so he's kind of changed and been a little bit more versatile in this offense. Um, and I like that you know Darnold's come back. He's obviously had some decent seasons with him um, under center. But I mean, like you said, I mean, 138 targets. Uh, it's actually a really favorable schedule for Anderson this year, especially at the beginning of the season. Takes on teams like Philadelphia, Houston, uh, Dallas, New York. So I mean, I, I really like him to get off and rolling early on. And um, man, I just just at this value, it's it's pretty incredible. It really is. And looking back at the the target leaders from a year ago, we already mentioned the 140 plus target guys, and and all of them except Deontay Johnson going in the first four rounds. The 130 to 140 target range here were names like, we mentioned Robbie Anderson, Tyree Kill, Terry McLaurin, Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper. All of those guys are going like three to four rounds earlier than Robbie Anderson. He's sitting here in the eighth round. I mean, I'm in some best ball tournaments where you need to kind of be contrarian to try and have a shot at beating so many people. And I have found myself building a couple of rosters with Panther stacks. I'm big on Matt Rule. I'm big on Joe Brady. I'm not necessarily big on Sam Darnold, but you know I'm a big believer in in good coaching. And, th- and Matt Rule has won at every level he's ever coached at. And We know Robbie Anderson excelled with Sam Darnold despite having to play for the New York Jets. So I I love the value here in in a PPR league. If you can find that type of target ceiling and there is some some research that shows that targets year over year do have a higher correlation than some of the other stats out there in fantasy land. So um, there's not much reason to think that Robbie Anderson still won't have a high target count this year in my opinion, despite the fact that they added Terrace Marshall Jr. And they're going to play a lot of three wide receiver sets anyway. So uh, moving on to round number nine here. I'll keep this one brief because I've talked about him on two previous podcasts already here for the lines. And in round number nine, I'm finding myself waiting on quarterback till about this point. And I like Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I already have a 32 to one long shot bet on him to win MVP. If you want to hear the reasons why, you can go back to episode 177 of the Lions podcast in here. But I've nicknamed him Patrick Mahomes Light on a per play and per pass basis in several different categories. He has been as good or better than Mahomes. I'm just hoping that he gets more volume than he has in in previous years where he's already been a solid QB one in fantasy. But if he unlocks that volume now with the bad defense and adding Julio Jones to the mix, then we could be talking about an even higher ceiling for Ryan Tannehill. So um, that, that that's the value I see at this point 
in the draft for quarterbacks. Let's move on to round number 10. And this will be the last round we hit before we finish up with a couple of deep sleepers. And Matthew, athletic freak potentially here, despite the, you know, what I think a lot of casual fans would would think is a bad landing spot, but maybe not so for Elijah Moore. Yeah. So I, first I have to speak to the hype of Elijah Moore. He's starting to really roll. It's the only thing New York reporters can talk about is how elite he is compared to the rest of the wide receivers and even players at the at training camp in New York. But I've been on the Elijah Moore hype train since the college football season, since honestly his season with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. He is one of the best wide receivers to come out of college in a long time. He is up there with Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. He, for me, would have been the fourth wide receiver off the board if I was GMing. Would not have let him get out of the first round. He is so good. And I've come at you with stats with most of these other guys. Elijah Moore is a complete field play. He is just so good that I believe he cannot not break out this season. And some people are worried about Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson is going to have a monster season. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think the new coaching staff is going to change what goes on there. They're going to set up Wilson for success. I know a lot of people, apparently this is a hot take, and I don't really get why. There's a reason Wilson was number two off the board. He was the second best quarterback in the draft. I love Trey Lance. I like Justin Fields, but Zach Wilson has traits that those two do not. And I think Zach Wilson is going to have a successful rookie season. I think he can win Offensive Rookie of the Year. That kind of depends a little bit on how many games the Jets actually win. But regardless, he's going to be good. And the targets are going to be split between Corey Davis and Elijah Moore by the end of the season. I think Elijah Moore is a league winner. And maybe you have to send him the first couple weeks. And I know you hate doing that in redraft. But I think he's one of the few guys that I'm willing to do it for because I know how talented he is. And, you know, by the midpoint, I'm hoping to see eight, nine, ten targets. And he's going to turn those targets into 100-yard games, into touchdowns. He's that good. So there you go. I... I'm willing to take the shot on Elijah Moore. Like you mentioned in best ball, I've been grabbing him all over the place because you can grab him super late and then you just get the best weeks out of him. But even in a PPR redraft, I'm going to let him sit on the bench for a couple weeks. I'm going to eat it and, you know, take that chance. You know, half the battle with drafting rookie receivers in fantasy anyway every single year is are they going to get enough playing time, right? And that's not an issue with Moore at this point. I mean, we're seeing reports now that, you know, the the – the knock on him was that he was only going to be a slot guy, right? Well, that's not true anymore. We're seeing reports out of Jets camp that they are working him on the outside as well with Crowder in the slot and Keelan Cole moving back to the second team or the fourth wide receiver. Denzel Mims is a complete disaster at this point. He's not; He might not even make the roster. So the, the path to playing time is already there for Elijah Moore. I will say that the, the whole Mims thing, it turns out the news has broke that he got severe food poisoning, and that's why he was kind of slow in the training camp. But uh, Sala reassured that he's going to be working with the ones. He started working with Zach Wilson recently. So, I mean, you do have that worry with Mims coming in, and there's just a lot of decent receivers on the team. But Elijah Moore is not a decent or good receiver. I think he is elite level, you know, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, that kind of receiver um, coming out and if, of college. If, if Mims does work his way back and gets back into shape and, and whatnot – it's not like they're going to pull more off the field in that case. They would pull Crowder off the field, we would think, in that case, and just move more to the slot. And they're going to move guys interchangeably anyway, you would think. 
Exactly. That's that's exactly what I think is going to happen. I think Mims, Davis, and Moore are going to move all around by the midpoint of the season. It's just the only worry I have is like you're going to be a little unsure of what's going on there. But I think more so good, he's going to consistently get the targets and playing time. Yeah, and and with them probably not winning a ton of games this year, should be plenty of negative game script as well and some some high volume passing situations in second half. So hey, maybe at worst case scenario, garbage time hero Elijah Moore. Jason, before we wrap things up here, the rest of the draft after round 10, give us a couple of deep sleepers that you find yourself uh, navigating towards here before you leave your drafts. Yeah, let's stay in the AFC East. Let's stay with the Jets, um, especially their wide receiver core. Um, You know, it seems very undervalued uh, overall just because I think there's a lot of uncertainty, as you guys just touched on. Um, But the uncertainty for me, there is none with Corey Davis and being one of the top targets, you know, on the team. So this is a guy who's finished, you know, wide receiver 33 in two or three seasons uh, of late, um, you know, playing second fiddle to A.J. Brown last year. Uh, He's being drafted as wide receiver 54. You know, as Matt said, I'm I'm putting some stock into Wilson and this staff to turn the Jets offense around. I mean, they just have to be an average offense to really support this cast. So um, this is just way too deep a value for me. I I think he's going to be a wide receiver, 35 plus player, you know, once the season ends. So a good spot for him. Since we haven't talked tight ends yet, um, let's look at Mike Gusecki. You know, this is another one. Miami's offense, you know, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of mouths to feed. Um, You know, how will Tua play? So I think they're coming in kind of undervalued here. He's tight end 16 in ADP. I have him projected inside the top 10 in PPR. Um, He ranked top five in PPR points per game um, with Tua under center over the, the sorry, the last third of the season. Um, 5.8 targets per game with two under center. I think two is going to become a lot more comfortable in this offense and really take a step forward. So I, I like him here. Favorable schedule for tight ends. Uh, I think if you're going late rounds, you know, tight end Gusecki is definitely an option here. Gentlemen, I really enjoyed it. As a guy who is going for back-to-back titles in year 17 of his home league with all his high school buddies, absolutely actionable draft information here. Matthew Amato, the content manager over at lineups.com. Jason Gilbo, writer and editor at lineups.com, the newest addition to Katina Media. Check them out all season long. You can find Matthew on Twitter at Matt Amato SF and Jason at JGilbo11. And Gilbo is G U I L B A U L T. At JGilbo11. Check out all of their fantasy football content all season long, all their DFS content and tools as well. Guys, it was great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Lions podcast. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen.